Hello, everyone. Um, this is another episode of the Deck Arts Podcast. Um, in reference to last week's podcast, I feel bad that every single word that came out of my mouth was cool or interesting. So this time, I'm trying not to say those words in response to anything that my guest has to say, which will be hard because everything she's going to say will be cool and interesting. It's Sydney Freeman, and she's going to be talking about the jog bra, which she did for our 20th century popular culture class, Marilyn Cohen, which was amazing. Um, And the paper really explores women's breasts and how the corset came to be along with the bra and what it means for women now in athletics um, and why it's so important and um, also women's soccer yeah is a big part so <laughs> how did you pick this topic um this is a topic that impacts my life literally every single day um I'm relatively active and like Sports bras for my body type are actually pretty hard to find. Like, I can't really just buy a off-the-rack, like, champion sports bra. Like, it's even, like, Lululemon or, um, like, you end up spending, like, $100 on a sports bra that, like, kind of fits. So it's really kind of, uh, over the past few years, as I've gotten more into exercise personally, has it become a mission-slash-hobby-slash-general annoyance of mine. (laughs) Um... That the technology of sports bras today are just so-so. And in kind of figuring out and doing some research for me personally, um, I learned that the sports bra is only 40 years old, which I thought was pretty crazy because our parents, it's like younger than our parents. And like my mom's been playing tennis since she was a kid. I'm like, what were you wearing when you were playing tennis? Like... um, so that just kind of shocked me, and as we were picking objects to study for our class, I thought it could be kind of fun, um, but interesting, and yeah, like super relevant to my everyday life. Yeah, it is. I didn't realize how much I used a sports bra until I thought about not having a sports bra, mm-hmm. and then I became very upset <laughs> thinking about that possibility. Um, but you go into sort of really far back in... Um, 1887, like, the early female tennis players wore corsets during matches. Yes. I read this crazy article um, that, yeah, so, like, the first sports that were, like, acceptable for women to play were either horseback riding and then tennis and biking, like, casual bicycling. Um, (laughs) So, for those activities, obviously, if you're on a horse or if you're on a bike, your body's moving up and down and it'd be very uncomfortable if you're breasts to be bouncing up and down so there were some specialized corsets that were developed for those activities that had additional support and then for tennis they were still wearing corsets as if they were you know kind of walking up and down the street at a leisurely pace yeah and I read this story that like in between sets and matches the women would change their corsets and there would be actual blood dripping off of them because the whalebone or whatever the support structure was of their corset was just, like, poking into them the whole time as they were running around. That sounds absolutely horrifying. <laughs> I know. I shouldn't laugh about it, honestly. No. It sounds horrible. <laughs> it's okay. Um, None of but luckily we came, come so far past it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And quickly soon after that, they made the calisthenic 
corset, which used elastic. Yes. Which I feel like would make a huge difference. Yeah, so those were kind of, like, the baby steps until really, like, the 50s when there was, like, another version of the tennis bra, which is basically, like, a training bra. Like, just very, like, kind of flimsy fabric. Just, like, cotton. Cotton. um, Like, supposed to be breathable and more comfortable, but it wasn't actually providing enough support that a woman would need for, like, real athletic activity and which would hinder their their game they couldn't play at their best because it's like you have like I don't know heavy bouncing balls attached to your body that would like really <laughs> hurt and like fly into your face yeah that's a good <laughs> um, way to put it and then so in like I kind of hinge my paper and kick my paper off with the um introduction of title nine which was legislation um in 1972, and it really kicked, started affecting people in 1973, which um, mandated that any school funding be equally distributed towards boys and girls. So this really affected sports teams, where in most high schools, it would be like 90% of the funding went to boys football, boys basketball. Now it had to legally be split 50-50, and as a result, girls' sports teams in elementary, middle, and high school just completely expanded beyond, like, exponentially. And that's when girls realized, like, how... Not just girls, but, I mean, they knew that sports were fun, but that the people around... That they needed the infrastructure to support the teams, and it kind of inspired the clothing and equipment that would be necessary for the girls to compete at their best now that they had the financial... um, Support for their teams and needed wanted to go out and like win championships and really like prove the their athletic ability. Yeah, you can't really perform when you're uncomfortable or yeah. something's inhibiting you. Yeah, to play like if you're playing tennis, you can't like move your arm all the way around or <laughs> like no, it's real. Um, like there's this story of a woman from the 40s and she was like a Nazi, so like not great. But she was a competitive race car driver, and she had a double mastectomy so that she could more adequately drive. That is and win so races. badass. I know it's really even though she was like kind of like yeah, she's a horrible. She's bad <laughs> at her core, but it's like a cool little anecdote that like people were actually doing this. Yes, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is actually like really crazy. Yeah, and that was just for like racing, driving. Like not she was also like. A bodybuilder, kind of, and like she was like this interesting person because she was on the more masculine side mm-hmm. and like in touch with her athletic ability as a woman. Whatever, her story is really crazy. Um, but yeah, but she like physically changed her body to um, perform better. Well, without a sports bra, <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. I, I guess. know, <laughs> I know. Um, so then. Who created the sports bra that we think of today? Yes. So that was in 1977. Um, Lisa Lindahl, Hinda Miller, and Polly Palmer Smith were friends and colleagues um, in Burlington, Vermont. And this was right as the kind of trend of, like, jogging for exercise was rising to prominence. Like, there was a book that came out, and everyone was like, wow, like, this is a great form of exercise, like, running 
is can be fun. Like, it doesn't just have to be, like, marathons. Like, you can just do, like, a light jog around the track or whatever. <laughs> so Lisa Lindahl was running on the UVM track all the time with her sister and her friends um, and getting really into it, but was always uncomfortable because either her strap, like, if she ran without a sports bra, she would just be, like, achy and uncomfortable and, like, couldn't go as fast as she wanted, couldn't go as long as she wanted, just, like, not good. And if she was running in a regular bra, her straps were slipping off the whole time, the underwire would poke into her sock. Like, there was no winning. So one day she was home, and she was joking uh, with her friends that they needed a jock strap for women, at which point her husband went into the bedroom and put two jock straps across his chest, kind of with the cups, like, over his chest, and came back into the living room, and they were crying, laughing so hard, but then they were like, wait, like, this could work. And the next day, Lisa went on a run with two jog straps on her body, and she was like, oh, okay, so we need this kind of elastic and this kind of cup, and I'm going to do the racer back to prevent strap slipping, and that's kind of how those that modern idea of the Razorback sports bra was born. Wow. Which is genius. I know. I can't imagine life without my Razorback. I know. And it, now it's like such a, it's like a fashion thing too. I feel like yeah. sportswear. Yeah, but it is. And now there's like the fancy straps everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that was really it. It was like designed out of necessity because she wanted to be able to run faster, longer, more comfortably. And this men's sporting equipment was kind of what inspired and, like, laid the groundwork yeah. for yeah, sports bra that we know today. I know, and it's, she had very specific ideas about it, too, I feel like. Mm-hmm. From reading her paper, she didn't want it to come off as lingerie. Mm-hmm. And um, in your paper, you said that she had initial production of, like, 500 bras, and they were, like, mail order because she couldn't get a lot of them in the yes. stores. So, I believe... Polly, her friend Polly, was a seamstress, so she was the one who, like, figured out what kind of elastic and cotton to use, and they um, were super careful to do um, any, like, seams or parts that might be metal, like like a logo or something was all, like, on the outside, so there would be no chafing, and yeah, so they had a very small run, it was just small, medium, large, And the only way they were starting to get the word out was in um, magazine ads in magazines like Runner's World um, because they really wanted to position it as a piece of equipment for better, like, for athletic improvement versus as lingerie because it's not really that cute. Like, if you go, the the Jog Bra archives are in the uh, Smithsonian collection in D.C., so if you go to their website and you see, like, the first prototypes... Um, it looks like it could be from, like, 1920s. Like, it's very kind of conserved, like, a bathing suit from the 1920s, mm-hmm. obviously not, like, whatever. Um, but it's, like, pretty conservative, it's very basic, um, and it's not what anyone thinks of as, like, lingerie. Um, so they knew for the kind of technical, what they wanted to achieve technically, they couldn't market it as lingerie because it's not designed for that. It's designed for 
sport, sporting equipment, as sporting equipment. So that's why they decided to go with um, those types of magazines first. And it was really hard for Lindahl to convince sporting goods stores to carry it. Um, she said in an interview, like, usually the buyers for those types of stores um, were men. They had, like, maybe a small women's section with, like, two pairs of women's style shoes and, like, a few tank tops. Like, really, really limited. Um, with, like, a focus on, like, volleyball or tennis, which is, you know, uh, Billie Jean King had, like, risen prominence and obviously proven that women are great at tennis. And <laughs> it was just, the stores were not even evenly distributed at all. And she was dealing with... Um, mostly men who were buying it and they like couldn't wrap their heads around like why anyone would want to wear something so um unappealing in the male gaze and why like how it would really affect people and then slowly but surely she was able to make a few ins at these like small local um sporting goods stores and then sales totally skyrocketed and everyone was yeah buying it yeah why wouldn't you i know and they only Seriously. came in three sizes, though, when it first started. Yes. Which is crazy. Right. To think about buying a bra like that now, but, I mean, I guess the sports bras are similar yes. like that. But they're, like, extra small, small, yes. medium, large, extra large. Or, like, two, four, six. Or, like, the ones yeah. I buy are, like, cup sizes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of the new era of the jog bra. Oh, yeah, so when they started, it was, like, the jog bra. That was their branding and company and whatever. Um, so still, I feel like you could go into Target and get, like, a champion-style, like, jog bra in, like, basic sizes, but if you're... Now the technology is so advanced, it's, like, there's endless yeah. sizing. And, and different everything. types. I didn't realize that there's a difference between... Um, the wire-free sports bra and the compression sports bra mm -hmm. because I only buy compression sports bras. Yes. So, yeah, now there are a ton of different types and, the like, the front clip was also a big innovation. She, I forget this woman's name, I couldn't, I didn't have enough space to include her in my paper, but she was a volleyball player and she had, like, I think, like, double D or triple D breast in high school and she was like but she was great at volleyball and her she worked with her mom who had some sewing skills to do a front clip bra um that had more support and it was that was kind of the next generation towards like the lululemon tasa tamer or like the ones that are um i don't know they look like the madonna bras kind of oh before yeah you, put them on. you know mm -hmm. what i'm talking about like those yeah. super um molded i guess they are Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was in, like, the early or mid-80s, but I'm not totally sure on that. Um, but yeah, so, like, since then there have been uh, so many different iterations. Yeah, so many different ones. Um, and then they started making them in colors, so mm -hmm. obviously just like today, they had to, like, branch out and yes. probably mix it up a bit. So also in, um, an interview, Lisa Lindahl says that she would run with some of her guy friends and on hot summer days they would take off their shirts and continue running and she would just be like oh my god I wish I could do that like I'm sweating the sun is beating but like 
that is unacceptable or maybe she was wearing a regular bra or maybe she wasn't wearing a bra or whatever it was, she did not feel like it would be appropriate. So she designed the initial jog bra to be conservative enough that it was could be worn on its own. And I feel like that totally revolutionized the way that people dress like we could walk down the street in New York and see a hundred girls not today it's a little cold but like <laughs> yeah. in the summer you see people running around in just their sports bras yeah and at the gym I definitely do it sometimes yeah oh my god in like a hot yoga class I'm like I'm dying I'm always like yeah in just a bra <laughs> and um so yeah so jog bra in order to obviously it's marketing kind of technique but also because women were wearing them and confident enough to wear them on their own the colors um came into play and they did like did it by season so spring were like pastels and then they had like a fall collection that's fine that went on for like two or three years before they got bought oh yeah so they got purchased by playtex in Mm -hmm. 1990 and then um then they were purchased by champion which is Mm -hmm. probably a brand that everyone's really familiar with now yes um so, yeah, so the any champion bra you buy today is a direct descent. I mean, all sports bras you buy today are direct descendants of this, but champion is really um, the where the, like, intellectual property or designs um, kind of are, are now from yeah. the original ones, if that makes sense. Um, and they totally use that in their marketing schemes. Yeah, so this year was the 40th anniversary of... I don't, or 2017, I guess, so just last year, um, of the invention of the jog bra, and they did a few, ad, like, a couple of ads yeah, they're related cool. to it. Yeah. And I'll post those on the Twitter page so <coughs> people can see those. Sorry. No. <laughs> um, so there's a couple of books that, if anyone wants to check out, um, sort of talk about this a little bit, and you mentioned them in your paper, Colette Dowling's The Frailty Myth. Mm. Um, redefine the physical potential of women and girls. Yeah. And Jamie Schultz uh, wrote um, a little chapter on a cultural history of the sports bra, mm-hmm. which probably goes into some depth, more greater yes. depth than maybe we're going here. <laughs> um, but then it all sort of, I feel like, culminates and people will have, like, some relation to this mm-hmm. because of it just sort of happened in the last 20 years is the 1999 U.S. Women's Soccer. Yes. So, I remember watching this as a kid, but then when I was, like, re-watching the videos for this research, I got, like, super excited about it, <laughs> because, like, it's very dramatic. Um, but it was the Women's World Cup, and it was in L.A., and it was the U.S. versus China, and it came down to a shootout after a long game, no scoring, and... There's, like, all this drama. It's, like, one-on-one shootout. So much pressure on the goalies and the women. And then Brandy Chastain, an American woman, finally makes a goal. And in a moment of excitement and passion, she follows the suit of many of her male um, colleagues and whips her shirt off over her head, and her jersey, and she's wearing a black sports bra underneath. And everyone freaked out <laughs> in the media. Um, it, while the win itself was so exciting in pop culture and in the media, this image of Chastain um, just in 
her sports bra on the field, kind of like holding her hands over her head in excitement and screaming. And there's clearly like an athletic passion there that is not, um, would not be traditionally feminine. Um, but she made a huge, like, actual athletic accomplishment and reacted this on par with, um, like, her, uh, with men. And it became, like, a huge, huge, uh, I don't know, scandal is not the word, but it was definitely a talking point. Um, yeah. yeah. I have a quote, actually, from author Alex, uh, Trisen- Chesniowski? I don't know how to mm. say his last name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, he says, it has only been 24 hours since the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup in a dramatic fashion, and their wholesome, goody-good act is starting to give way. And you point out that he was just talking about um, them indulging in donuts, cotton candy, and cheese fries mm-hmm. in celebration, which I thought yeah. such a weird comment to make. yeah. So, this is an article in People Magazine, which, granted, is not, like, you know, the highest... It's not the New Yorker. No. (laughs) ...of academic papers, um, publications, but I thought it was really interesting to include in my paper because it profiles the women on a very kind of basic, fluffy, superficial level, even though they had just beaten China and won the World Cup, which is, like, the highest athletic accomplishment you could have as a female soccer player or any soccer player to win the World Cup. Um, And I just feel like he wrote an article about women that he would never write about the men's team. Um, Yeah, so he opens it being like, they're rewarding themselves with cotton candy. They're not as disciplined as they seem. I'm like, oh my god, you're annoying. Like... Yeah, not necessary. Yeah, not necessary at all. And then when he's talking about Chastain specifically, he calls um, her removal of her jersey, like, the most brazen bra showing since Madonna. So kind of, like, puts her... I I mean, that's not the exact... It's pretty close to the exact quote. Um, But he kind of, like, puts her on the level... Like, implies that there's sexual connotations and that she's showing off, um, uh, like, with these, like, intentions, even though it, for her, it was really just kind of, like, an endorphin release, like, all this pressure of training and, like, her whole life playing soccer leading up to this moment, kind of culmination moment, and he's just like, oh, like, showing her bra, like, Madonna, who's... Not the not, same it's thing. Not the same thing. No. <laughs> no. No offense to Madonna, great music, but like I don't feel like she wasn't putting in those hours like running up and down the field. Like Yeah, and the purpose of showing her bra was so yeah, different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I feel like it just kind of was an exemplary I don't know, quote about this moment in pop culture that Encapsulated like the men's point of view, like such from such a male gaze. Whereas Chastain, actually, she wrote like a kind of kids, it's like middle school reading level um, autobiography afterwards. And the title is "It's Not About the Bra," and it was just about how her training discipline and going to school and you know, her experience of being on a team and like kind of all these much more substantial character building things led to this exciting victory and accomplishment, and it's not about the bra, it's about, like, 
the journey that gets you there. Um, so just to juxtapose the two, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it is. It's an, cool that she responded in that way. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And I really found it hilarious when you showed... Sydney did a presentation in our class on this of the Life magazine featuring Will Ferrell mm-hmm. doing that pose. Mm-hmm. I know. So I couldn't... Like, I didn't, like, get it. Because, I mean, I, I get it. Like, it's funny, and Will Ferrell's, like, making fun of his own, like, schlubby body and, like, whatever. But I just found that it was... I believe the magazine was it from 2005, um, the cover, so I feel like it was, like, a solid chunk of time later, like, it wasn't as, even though it was obviously fresh and, like, cultural memory, like, it wasn't, like, it had also kind of, like, like faded. Yeah, like, faded, and then the subtitle was, like, Apologies to Brandy Chastain, <laughs> Who wasn't even wearing a black sports bra? He's wearing a red one. Like, so dumb. I know. <laughs> Why didn't he even wear the same I know. color? Like, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. It was weird. And it brought up his... Um, I thought it was weird when it brought up the cover, the subheading is something about his athletic feats. Mm-hmm. And so, just the whole thing was confusing. Yeah. And, like, funny in a weird, like... I don't think they get it way. Yeah, no, I actually couldn't find the actual interview, like, in the archives. I was having a really hard time finding it, so I never read the article. But I know that the cover, like, I could find the cover in the archives, but I couldn't find the contents of the issue, which I thought was shady. I know. It's been redacted. I know. (laughs) Um... But I did want to include that, like, in my paper and in my presentation because the Brandy Chastain sports bra moment is, like, the moment that sports bras really entered pop culture mainstream versus being this piece of sporting equipment that was developed in the late 70s into the 80s, and then by the 90s it was totally a normal piece of clothing, but this like, on the stage of the World Cup, like, I think, like, 40 million people watched it on TV, something crazy, like, boom, like, it's in pop culture, now it's so, like, everywhere, and this really catapulted it and made it for girls and women much more normal to be wearing alone, like, Lindahl's initial vision. Yeah, and now it's even becoming its own right, sort of, like, a fashion object as well. Yeah, totally. I feel like people wear, like, really tiny tank tops in order to, like, show off their sports bras. Yeah, for sure. I do that. Yeah. And, you do. <laughs> and also, like, the really, like, tall, thin models also just wear it as a t-shirt. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, one time I did see uh, Gigi Hadid on the street, and she was just wearing a sports bra. I would have died if she as tall, beautiful, and thin in person. Yes, I'll show you the... I'm in the background of some paparazzi pics, like... <laughs> I'll find them. Where They're was really this? funny. Like, on the street in Soho. Oh, my gosh. One day. I know. I know. Um, um, but, but yeah. I just wanted to also let everyone know that Florence Williams did a 99% yes. Invisible podcast called The Athletic Brassiere. Is it? Brasserie. Brasserie. Obviously, I took oh. my French final. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that's really good. And so everyone should go check that out. And 
I'm also going to post links to all of the magazine um, articles that Sydney used in her paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone can go check those out and the link to the Smithsonian Jog Bra archives for everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those oh, are really cool. Those are awesome. And don't forget on the Twitter page, it's Deck Arts Podcast, and I'm going to be posting all of the pictures that we talked about so you have some sort of reference because the jog bra from the champion is not what you think it's going to look like. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. It's, it's not a Nike synthetic bra. Yeah, no, very happy that it's uh, evolved to its current <laughs> yeah. state, I would say. I get how it's better, but it still didn't look that yeah. comfortable. Yeah, no, definitely. Or that supportive if you need extra support. Yeah, if you're a big, busty lady. Yeah. Um, but thanks so much for coming on. No this was problem. Amazing. I'm so glad we got to do it. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye.